today I'm delighted to be talking again to our old friend Wayne Tramell, who's been writing about remote working and remote leadership here on Management Issues for almost 15 years, a real pioneer in the field. Wayne is the co-founder with Kevin Eikenbury of the Remote Leadership Institute, the number one place to find information and tools for leaders of remote and virtual teams. Wayne and Kevin have just published their second book, The Long Distance Teammate, which provides a new perspective on remote work by exploring the difference between simply working from home and becoming a really effective member of the remote team. The three key areas the book looks at are navigating personal and interpersonal relationships, growing the skills to be productive, and communicating effectively. Wayne, thanks so much for joining us here today. Of course, always a pleasure. So I guess there are quite a few books coming out at the moment on being productive and getting things done when you work from home. But this book takes a slightly different focus, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, a lot of that work that people are talking about, look at people who work from home and the sum total of their output is the work, right? That's what it's about. I have X chores to do. I must complete those tasks. And that's fine in terms of that much work. But there's so much more to doing good work, especially when you're on a team. And that's why we intentionally chose long-distance teammate as opposed to long-distance team member because anybody who reports to the same boss is a member of the team, but it doesn't make them a great teammate with all the emotional connections and discretionary effort and engagement that goes along with that word. Indeed. And you and Kevin are quite adamant that being part of a team is different than being a true teammate. So what exactly is the difference as long as you get the work done? Well, that's the thing, right? Is that's a very short-sighted view that getting the work done is all it's about. Uh, the fact is, if people are working, just working, just doing tasks, doing tasks, and especially when they work isolated from everybody else on the team, work becomes extremely transactional, which over time, when you don't have social connections, when you aren't engaged with the work, when you don't engage with the larger group, it can become extremely isolating. And for most people over time, that then becomes very disengaging. It's just task, 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 task. And if that's the only thing you're working for, it's hard to sustain that over time. Uh, when you are a team member, you are connected to the mission of the work. You're excited by the work. You build relationships that energize you and help you do better work. You put in discretionary effort in brainstorming and collaboration where you're adding value to the team. And so there is an emotional and psychological component to being a teammate, which goes beyond just doing whatever tasks they're paying you for and connects you to the work on so many more levels, which benefits 
you because you're engaged and you care and work is more fun and we like the people we work with and so we support them and try harder, but also for the organization because people who are disengaged and work from home are absolutely ripe for turnover and being picked off by headhunters, for example. You know, if I go into the office every day and I decide I want to change jobs, there's some big changes associated with that. My commute changes, maybe my hours change, maybe it's a longer commute, whatever. When I work from home and I decide, eh, I'm going to go get another job, literally the only thing that changes is your login information. And so if people don't feel connected to the work and the people they work with and their managers, you are going to have a problem keeping good, motivated, engaged people. That's a very good point. Yes, thank you for clarifying that. Now, as you know, I'm not a big fan of management jargon, but I'm going to be kind on you here. <laughs> I, I know that one of the big ideas of the book is what you call the 3P model. Can you please explain a little bit more about this and why you feel it's important? Yeah, I speak fluent consultant, so <laughs> I will be glad <laughs> to translate for you poor mere mortals out there who don't. Um, the 3P model basically captures the difference between somebody who is an individual contributor and just doing their own work and keeping their head down and working in their silo and somebody who is a true teammate. And the P's are productivity, proactivity, and potential. Productivity is pretty simple, right? It's, are you getting your work done? Because at some level, that is the floor, right, for staying employed. <laughs> if you don't get your work done, you are not going to have a job. So productivity is important. When you are a good teammate, it's not just your productivity, though. It's the productivity of the team, which means you're striking the balance between the work you do and contributing to the work of the team, participating in meetings, uh, contributing to brainstorms, offering assistance where needed, discretionary effort. But basically, productivity is pretty simple, right? It's getting your work and the team's work done. Proactivity in our research for the book and the, I don't even know how many interviews we did, the one word that came up when we asked what separates a great teammate from somebody who just is on the team is proactivity. And some proactivity is obvious. It's that if a job needs to be done, you just do it. You don't wait to be asked. If you see something, say something. And that's the obvious part. But the real grist of being a great teammate is proactivity when it comes to things like reaching out to your teammates. If I have a question, am I comfortable asking the question or do I sit there and stew because I don't want to look foolish or I don't want to interrupt somebody else's work and so that question doesn't get asked? If somebody is struggling, do I offer assistance without being asked or do I go, eh, sucks for them and just keep plowing away on my own work? Uh, so that idea of being proactive, uh, when something needs to be said on a meeting, are you willing to step up and say it or ask it? Uh, and when we work alone, it's really easy to 
keep our heads down. I'm just going to focus on my work. I don't want to get involved, not my business. And that is unengaged, very individual thinking versus being proactive and reaching out. And and one of the reasons you want to be proactive is because when we work remotely, a lot of communication becomes extremely transactional and we don't think about the potential, the long-term impact of that work. So if I've got team members and I like Bob, but I don't like Alice, so I never talk to Alice unless I have to. And I don't intentionally maintain or build a relationship with Alice when I do need something from her or uh, when we do have to work together, we don't have the kind of shorthand and and teamwork and kind of synchronicity that I have maybe that I had with Bob. Mm -hmm. And so our work, keeping your head down and answering email during a meeting might help you clear out your inbox, but in the long run, it's not going to make you visible to your manager. It's not going to help people see the value in what you do. It's not going to build relationships with your teammates that ultimately have much longer term impact than, hey, Bob, can you send me that report? Yeah. Did I come close to explaining that? (laughs) So the three Ps are productivity, proactivity, and potential. Thank you. If we can just hold in on the theme of proactivity for a moment, something else that comes out in the book is this concept of ethical visibility. Is there a natural synergy between the proactivity and ethical visibility? Would you mind unpacking that a bit for us? Thank you. Yeah. When we work remotely from the people in our work world, We are literally out of sight and out of mind. And as a result, there is a tendency in organizations to think, well, Nicola has chosen to work from home, therefore she doesn't really care about her career track, or she's not really that, she's chosen lifestyle over work. And since COVID, certainly, we are going to be dealing with a lot more teams that have people scattered hither and yon. And so, How do you stay visible to your manager and your teammates without it being about you and looking like a show-off? One of the real challenges of working remotely is that people say, oh, this is great. I can keep my head down. I don't have to think about office politics. I don't have to deal with Alice because she's a pain. I can just do my work. And then six months down the road, we wonder, why aren't we getting that assignment? Why is my performance review, so mediocre. Why did Bob get that assignment, not me? One of the challenges, if one wants to have a career, uh, develop your skills, grow in the organization that you have, or even outside, it requires a level of proactivity that a lot of us have been trained not to do. Uh, the nail that sticks its head up gets whacked with a hammer. Don't be mm. a show-off. You know, there, there's a, a natural conflict between good, hardworking people who think the work will speak for themselves and, you know, those of us who know that the work has never spoken for itself. If you are not visible, if people don't associate you with the good work, if people don't think about you as somebody who can help with that, 
it's really easy to become invisible. And there's a whole cascade of bad things that happen when we become invisible. Uh, we get frustrated. We say, well, nobody cares anyway, and we disengage. Maybe we don't build the relationships that make work satisfying, and so we decide to go work somewhere else. Hmm. Can I just go back to this point about people who perhaps hadn't worked from home previously and of course the world's been turned upside down now and these individuals are very professional career oriented and pay attention to detail and invest in their relationships going back again to ethical visibility do you recommend that people like that have a formal plan of engagement if you like about their brand their intercommunication with their peers I don't know what they look like, what their office looks like, so that they are consciously investing in just the right sort of visibility at the right time. Yeah, I think for some people, it comes naturally. Some people are naturally driven. They understand the power of relationships and they, you know, it's a natural thing for them to do that outreach. For others, it is very unnatural, right? And it stems from the work will speak for itself. Well, no, it won't. But at least when you're in the office, when you contribute to the meeting, everybody knows who's making that contribution and they see you and you build relationships kind of unconsciously. The difference is when you work remotely, it must be conscious. And when we say you have to have a plan, that sounds Machiavellian and, you know, very master plan to take over the world. What it really means is we need to be conscious of where do we need to build relationships? Where does it add value for us to contribute to the team? And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a very, very simple example. If I'm sitting in the meeting room with everybody else and I don't necessarily have anything to contribute, but everybody can see me making notes and nodding and I kind of whisper over to somebody and ask a question. They know that I'm there, right? And when I do contribute, they associate that idea with that face and that voice. When we work remotely, if I log on to meetings and I'm on the meetings, but nobody ever hears from me, and when there are discussions in Teams or Slack and I never contribute and they it's really easy to forget that I'm there. Mm. And so intentionally building, as you say, a brand, that sounds very marketing and, you know, beyond my work as a humble engineer, but it's not because really that question is when people think of you, what do they associate with you? Mm. And do they associate quality work and, you know, good relationships and uh, being an engaged teammate and being helpful and adding value to the team? Or are you a name on an attendee list? And while there are people who are perfectly happy, let me do my work and, you know, I don't want to deal with any of that other stuff, that's going to impact your career opportunities. It's going to impact the projects that you work on and the tasks that you get. And ultimately, over time, is going to impact how you feel about your job and the people you work with. 
Now, of course, you started writing this book before COVID. And I was thinking uh, about that and wondering, would you add another chapter to the book or a slightly different ending? Would anything about the book be different post-COVID? Well, we actually did have to change a couple of things. The The first draft was turned in. We were very proud of it and what a fine book this is <laughs> in January. And by the time we got the uh, edits back to do the, the final edit on the book, it was March and we were in COVID world. And so there were a couple of things. One was we did, we wanted the book to be evergreen beyond whenever this madness ends but one of the things that is going to happen when this madness ends is we are going to be working in a far more hybrid world where there are going to be some people co-located and some not. So we we put some more in the book about building those hybrid teams and those hybrid relationships. But it was also technical things. When we started writing this book, Zoom was a niche-free product that larger corporations wanted nothing to do with. Hmm. And it, now, nine months, a year later, Zoom is a verb, and it is ubiquitous. <laughs> yeah. And everybody, yeah. and there is a thing called Zoom fatigue. How could you be tired of something that didn't exist a year ago? But it's very real. And so I think we've done a good job just by virtue of timing, and I wish it was our brilliant planning. It's just kind of the timing uh, that we were able to address it without making this all about COVID. Because what happens as we start to return to work, what I've been calling the new abnormal, is going to be very uh, similar to what we've talked about in the long-distance leader and now the long-distance teammate. Wayne, the, the new abnormal, clearly it's very early days. Is there anything that you can already see as being significant, something that you'd like to leave our audience with in relation to the whole issue of distance working and teammates? Yeah, depending on the metaphor you want to use, we've either crossed the Rubicon or the hundredth monkey has joined the club or what. But the point is the genie is out of the bottle in terms of remote work. A lot of senior executives were very afraid that when they stopped bringing people into the office, it would be the destruction of everything. And they were shocked that it wasn't. They were shocked that people actually worked when they weren't supervised and were able to uh, make it work with their life to some degree. Um, many of them, many senior executives who had never worked from home suddenly went, oh, this isn't so bad. Right. I don't want to do it all the time, but I could do this once in a while. And so part of the reason that we call it the new abnormal is that what one organization does is not going to be what somebody else does going forward. But the genie in terms of remote work has been released. People know what it means now. And some of them will opt to do that full time. Some will opt to do it part time. Uh there will be an increase in hybrid teams where some people are in the office or some people are in the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Monday and Friday folks work from home. And so that's going to change the team dynamic. It's also going to change how organizations recruit because 
if somebody only needs to go in the office one day a week, they don't need to be 15 minutes from where they work. Um, yeah, good point. You know, there are going to be a lot of ripple effects that we know they're going to ripple. We just don't know what that's going to look like. I would be very nervous if I was in commercial real estate right now. I was wondering, what about the social impact around all of this? Any thoughts? Yeah, I spend an inordinate amount of time obsessing about that, actually, because it's really easy to think of remote work as a discrete thing. Oh, it's the same as work, you know, before, except just mildly different. But there are some long-term effects, both positive and negative, that are going to come from the change in the way we work. You know, a really simple example is if you can work anywhere, why wouldn't you? Well, on the plus side, a lot of jurisdictions are looking at this as the savior of small towns. You know, in a lot of the world, you grow up, you go away to university, and you never come home. Now, you can, you don't have to live in the city, you can live with in walking distance of grandma and grandpa so the family can stay together. That sounds lovely and it's a beautiful thing. What does that mean for cities when mass numbers of people aren't going into them every day? What's going to happen there? Uh, one of the really important things that is going to need to be studied and nobody knows how this will shake out is our basic human relationships. In the Western world, over 60% of our daily communication occurs with people in or through the workplace. Mm. Both the people we work with, you know, we sit next to them and we chat with them and we have lunch with them. And then, you know, sometimes we go out for a pint with them afterwards or I'm dating Bob's sister or whatever. <laughs> but a huge part of our social life comes through work. What do we do when that's no longer the case? And it's not a soft and fluffy HR type question. We are already seeing an increase in mental health problems caused by isolation. A lot of people are worried about, well, what about the family where the kids are being schooled in the house and the spouses are tripping over each other? And that's a legit problem. But what about the person who sits alone in their apartment for days at a time and only interacts with people online. Very good point. And what about the younger people as well? It's all fine if you're married and you've got the children and the family life, but what about the younger generation? Because, of course, the workplace, as you say, is an environment where you meet people and you've got that physical proximity and that can act as a, as a catalyst for relationships. Well, I think that's part of a larger problem that I am in no way... I'm prepared to pontificate on, but think about the world we live in now. We can already choose where we get our news, who we get our information from, uh, what we read, what we don't read. At least in the workplace, you've got the old crusty guy that you need to find a way to work with, and you've got the lady in HR that you can't stand, but you have to figure out a way to come to terms with. And now I work from home, and I'm not building those social skills. I'm not learning how to deal with people. I'm not learning how to listen appreciatively because I don't have to. There's a huge social effect there. 
while there are huge benefits to working from home, the changes that that's going to engender, we can't begin to figure out yet. The thing is, are we aware of them and are we mindful of building relationships and maintaining some of those skills and helping people develop them? That's what's going to determine what the future looks like. Wow. Yes. Well, that's something else, isn't it? So uh, it sounds as if we're going to see an unfolding of lots of change. But thank you very much for setting the direction anyway. It's interesting to get your perspective on that. So tell us, how can we get hold of the Long Distance Teammate? Who's publishing it? It's from Barrett Kohler. It is available worldwide wherever you buy books. So, you know, you can walk into Waterstones or you can order it from wherever you order your books. We do have a website, longdistanceteammate.com, specifically dedicated to the book. It has uh, free bonus content, articles, uh, videos, all kinds of things that associate that. And of course, you know, I am always 24-365 at remoteleadershipinstitute.com. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us here today. Great to chat to you again, and uh, best of luck with the book. Thank you, Nicola, and thank you and the Management Issues audience for supporting my work all these years, and I hope they get a lot out of the book.